Welcome to the All People's Church Sunday podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more messages and resources, please visit allpeoples.com or download our free All People's Church app. Good morning. Happy Sunday, All People's family. And isn't that great news that we have San Diego State? Just want to rejoice in that again. And this week we received further great news that the several Sundays that we were going to have to move off of campus because this room already was booked, they've actually given us the theater across the hall. So we'll be here every Sunday, it looks like, and we are just so thankful for the opportunity to be in this wonderful place and to reach this wonderful campus next week. Students will start coming in. And we are stoked to dive into a new series. It's a revisit of something that we jumped into five years ago, but entitled The Partying God, Discovering the Extravagant Goodness of the Father. And so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about how good God is and that his kindness is the foundation of our faith and that he loves to celebrate his children. So it's going to be a wonderful Time. Well, in the midst of receiving so much from God, we want to finish this last week in the community series on talking about becoming a generous community. I had an experience several years ago where, and many of you remember this, I had just lost my grandmother and she was one of my closest relationships. She was like a mother to me and so it was a very, a very challenging time. And in the midst of that, I had more relational pain as some of my close friends moved out of my life. And, you know, it didn't stop there. We checked our bank account and saw that we were actually flat broke. And we didn't have the resources that we needed to finish the month. And then to add insult to injury, then Steph's car breaks down. And uh, you're going to be hearing from Steph and Kendall this morning as well. We're doing things a little differently this morning. But in the midst of all that pain, then the next week is spring break. And so our kids are saying, what are we doing for spring break? And I'm thinking, we don't even have enough money to like go see a movie, you know. Uh, I don't even know if I can afford a corn dog for you, kids. And uh, so it, it was a, a, sad, a sad time for us and uh, a painful time. And that's when I got a text. We didn't, we didn't tell anyone what was going on. We just took our needs to the Lord and prayed. And I get this text from this wonderful, loving couple. And it said this, we'd love to give you guys a week in our vacation home next week during spring break. And I was, I, I was just so touched. Oh, my goodness. That is so kind. And then I had that reality come to my mind. Even a free vacation is not free. And uh, a vacation home is going to need food. I'm thinking, I can't even afford this, some food here. How am I going to fill a refrigerator? And I said, oh, that is so sweet. What do we need to do? And the next text came back and said, we're going to stock the refrigerator. You just need to tell us what you want for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is awesome. And then I'm thinking, but... It takes money to drive to a vacation. Oh, I don't have any money for the gas. And then I get a text, be at this airport at this time. We're flying you up. 
Oh my goodness. I'm like, did I just die and go to heaven? <laughs> I come in and tell the kids, oh my gosh, guess what's happening? And for the next week, we go and just feel so blessed and restored and well-fed. And it was amazing. And at the end of the time, I was so touched by this couple's generosity. And I thought, you know, I could never repay them. I'm a pastor. I can't, you know, do something back like they've done to me. But if there's anything I can do to repay their generosity, that's my desire is to be generous back to those who've been generous to me. Isn't that what our heart longs for when we receive generosity? Well, before you get really jealous of me from hearing that story, I wanna tell you that you've received something even greater than a week's vacation in a beautiful home, a full refrigerator, a free flight there. And that's this, it's in Ephesians chapter two, The Apostle Paul says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The Bible's saying, listen, you were broke. Your relationships were messed up. Your heart was in pain. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh And following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This scripture is saying you were in a bad place. Like not only were you dead, but you deserved wrath. Watch what it goes on to say. But because of his great love. Say great love. Can I just tell you the Father's love for you is great today? It's higher than the highest mountain. It's deeper than the deepest ocean. God's love is lavish for you today. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. It's scripture saying God sent that plane that you didn't deserve to come and pick you up and take you up to the heavenly places where he blessed you in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God is a generous God. And as we talk about becoming a generous community, we'll only become that if we realize just how generous the Father has been to us. It's his generosity that makes us want to be generous back. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. Church, do you know how generous God has been to you? We deserved hell, but he gives us heaven. We deserve wrath, but he showers his love on us. And God hasn't just been generous to us as individuals. He's been so good to us as a corporate people. It's that generosity that makes us want to be generous back. And so we want to talk today, we're going to take just a a few minutes to talk about three ways that we can be generous to God. And that's time with our talent and our treasure. And so let me begin with time before I hand it off to Steph. I think about Jesus wanting and needing his disciples' time. And you might immediately think, the Lord doesn't need us. But I'm reminded of this moment in Jesus's life. He's going to the cross. He's going to give us that sacrificial death. 
that would pay for our sins. And he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is where we find ourselves in Matthew 26, verse 36. It says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is saying, I'm hurting. This is a time where I'm in need. Would you stay here and keep watch in prayer with me? Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Oh, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He said to Peter. You know, there's this longing in Jesus' heart. Guys, couldn't you just stay with me? Couldn't you pray with me? Couldn't you be with me for one hour? And I want to tell you that I believe that call is still going out to Jesus' friends. You know, I believe the thing that God wants from you more than any other thing is you to give him your time. For you to spend time with him, I can just tell you, the thing I want most from my kids, way more than them making A's in school or doing great in sports or doing their chores around the house, you know what I love the most is when they give me their time. When my kids want to be with me. If you're a parent, you know that there's nothing that blesses you more than when your kids, on their own volition, just come and crawl up in your lap. Or they just come up and hold me or hold you, right? There's nothing that blesses a parent's heart more than knowing your kid wants to be with you, and that just grows through the years. You talk to a parent of a college student, their heart is melted when their college student chooses them over everyone else in the world. You know, God loves us to spend time with him. There's nothing that blesses his heart more than when you wake up in the morning and get alone with him. That's the model of Jesus, right? The Bible says while it was very early in the morning, While it was still dark, Jesus got up and went off to a lonely place to pray to the Father. That was the model of Jesus, getting that first part of the day. How could we not want to give back to the one who's given us our very life, who's given us breath? And the crazy thing is, it's not out of some religious thing or some legalism. It's the very thing that fills you with love. It's actually the very best thing for you is we get before him like a sponge and we just (laughs) fill up with his love for us. And the amazing thing is, is as we're that kind of church, the, the crazy thing is I'm telling you, be a generous church by you spending time with God and you getting filled up with him. Why? Because then everyone who touches you, everyone who comes in contact with you will get touched by that love of God. I long for a church where people walk in and go, man, those people are just lit up with Jesus. They're just overflowing with Jesus. They just shine with the light of Jesus. But I can tell you, the only way that's going to happen is if you get before him, let that light shine on you, and you walk into a dark world, and it's just reflecting. You know, the second part I want to say, so the first one is daily time alone with God. That's how we're generous with our time. But the second one is worshiping with your church community on Sundays, right? Now, I'm totally preaching to the choir because you're here. Great job. Pat yourself on the back. But here's, here's why I say that. That priority in people, that priority in believers is 
is diminishing in the body of Christ. For centuries, the church would set aside Sundays. For centuries, they'd set aside Sunday and say, this is a holy day where we're going to worship God. Why would they do that? Because it's actually a biblical command. It's the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is, says this, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Here's what Leviticus 23.3 says. It says this. Whoa, my iPad just went crazy. Back in the old days, they didn't have iPads to preach. There are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. What does that sacred assembly mean? It means a day of calling together. We need to hear the Lord calling us together on the Sabbath day, hearing call us together on Sundays. The the sad thing for me is now I I find that people are as willing to do anything that comes up on a Sunday, you know, to to do this or go there or or be a part of this party or be a part of this engagement. And, And those things are great, but they don't think twice about missing gathering together with the people of God. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. To gather with the assembly, it's the day where we set aside to worship God. And we put that first, and the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all the other things will be added to you. My parents were an amazing example of this. They, they always kept the, the Sabbath. They'd always worship, we, no matter where we were, even if we were on vacation, they made sure we were worshiping God with some community, some, some church. And what I saw is the blessing of God on their marriage. They have an amazing marriage. All their kids are walking with Jesus. They've uh, prospered financially. They prospered relationally. But why? They kept that foundation. And, and the crazy thing for me is I think as a church, you know, we wouldn't think of breaking commandment six, which is not murdering. We wouldn't think of breaking commandment seven, which is committing adultery, or number eight, which is stealing. But it's so easy for us to just say, you know what? Commandment four, keeping the Sabbath, nah, it's no big deal. So listen, I, I'm not saying if you miss a Sunday that you're doomed, right? Come on, there's, there's always next Sunday. But I am saying, do we have this value in our heart that I come together with the corporate community to lift up the name of Jesus and to receive what he has for me and my family? Number three. Number three is this. Meeting together house to house. Meeting together with our life group. Why do we do that? It's because the Bible says that they met weekly in the temple courts, and they met house to house. In fact, the scripture goes on to say, let us not forsake the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other. That's Hebrews 10, 25, but let us encourage each other. Why do I meet with the life group house to house? Because I know that that's how people get encouraged. The world is a discouraging place. And I know that there's one place every week that you can go to where you'll get to pray with someone. I know that there's one place where people actually want you there, right? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, right? That's Life Group. It's not Cheers Bar. It's Life Group. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What shall we say then, brothers and sisters? Every time you come together, someone's going to have a word, a revelation, a hymn, a tongue, or an interpretation All these must be done for the strengthening of the body. I I don't just go to a life group because I I feel like it that way. And a lot of times I don't feel like it. But I go because I know I'm a part of a team. 
And this team is building, building up the church, and it's strengthening people, and it's the best place for my wife to be. It's the best place for me to take her to be built up. Actually, people that go to small groups, they always, almost always statistically have better marriages, and they have more healthy families. It's the best thing for my little kids to do. So the, the crazy thing is the actual way we're encouraging you to be generous is the best thing for you. And that's how God has it. He always says, as you give, it's going to be given back to you. All right, now it's just going to get better than this. So why don't you welcome the most beautiful woman in the world right here to the stage. This is my wife, Stephanie. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to hand you that. Um, well, I want to talk to you about giving of your talents to the church. Um, you know, innate in me is this entrepreneurial gift, and I have spent many of hours in my life thinking of business after business that I could create and make money from. And um, I'm going to tell you a couple uh, about a couple of them. One was called the Cookie Shack. I had my business cards made for that one. Um, and I was going to buy this old food truck and make it all beautiful. I was an art major, so I, got, I said, thought, no problem, I'll make it beautiful. I'll set up a little cute cafe outside. I'll make the most warm, gooey chocolate chip cookies, slap some ice cream in there, Awesome. I was actually dreaming about putting it here at State during uh, classes. I thought this will be a go. Another one I dreamed up of was Art in the Park. Um, and that I was going to have kids in the park with me at Liberty Station. I was going to teach them how to do art, and it was going to be glorious. Um, another one, actually this one I'm a little embarrassed to tell you about, but I'll tell you about it. And I actually got a business license for this one, okay? So I took it a step further. I could have actually made this one happen, um, and some of you might have hired me. It was called Sassy Scoopers. I was going to pick up your dog poop. You see, you would have seen me and my kids, because I was going to employ them, too, in our big rubber boots. They're going to be cute boots. Um, rubber gloves, little shovels, and just in a little bag. And so you would have seen us around San Diego. But I want to tell you that um, all that is um, wonderful as far as starting businesses, and we need so many of you guys to start businesses. But God had something different for me. And I want to tell you something God was speaking to me um, soon after Sassy Scoopers. Um, as I was seeking God one day just about the year, um, he began to speak to me, and he said, Stephanie, would you be willing to take that entrepreneurial gift, those desires, and take it to help build my church? And, and in one sense, you know, I thought, I, I thought I was doing that, Lord. I mean, we're in ministry. I'm doing it. But he wanted to take all of that focus over here that I was wasting over here on a business that he was never asking me to start and give my best to the church to help build it. He said, I want you to take this gift if you're willing and use it to help build my church. And so I, I responded to the, to the Lord that day and I said, I'm in. And you know, I think one of the things that God was trying to do in my heart was I had prioritized Jesus 
But there was something in my heart that still needed to prioritize the church. I needed to give my best to the church. And in Colossians 1.18, it says Jesus is the head of the body. And you don't separate the head from the body. If we are going to seek first Jesus, that's Jesus and his body. And so if we are going to make him first, we make his church first too. We give our best to the church. I want you to read with me Matthew 25, 14 through 30. I'll try to be a little dramatic so you can stay with me the whole time. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another one two, and to another one one. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded them and made another five talents. And likewise, I like that. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Hello. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had received five talents. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord, of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you have delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he had received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own own with interest. Therefore, Take the talent from him and give it to, the, to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you know that we see from this parable that Jesus is talking about that each and every one of you in this room has been given talents from the Lord? So let me say that again because I don't know if everyone believes that. Every single person in this room, in these seats, has been given talents from the Lord. And we are to put them to work. And they will give you more return than you give out. Now, if they are from the Lord, do you know what they are? Anointed. 
They are anointed giftings from God that you are to give and invest in the church to make it better. We need you to give your talents and we need you to give your best to the church. Sometimes we give our best outside the church and we want you to give outside the church. But if we are gonna prioritize Jesus and his body, we've gotta give our best to him. You know, when you do, the church becomes better and you get a better return. There will be a great celebration when Jesus returns for you and you have put those talents to work. You know, maybe some of you guys in here have a mercy gift and you've never put it to use. Let me tell you, we need you to put it to use. We need your mercy gift. We need people to experience the mercy heart of God. If you have a hospitality grace on your life, we need it. You know, when people walk into life group, they need to feel the warmth of the presence of God. That gifting helps bring the warmth of the presence of God. Or here on a Sunday morning, do you know that wherever we meet as a people of God, we want the world to come in and say, wow, the giftings and anointing in this place is amazing. It's because God's given us those things to put to work. It's not us. It's God that's put something in each one of us. It's a gifting, a talent that we are to put to work to make the church a better place for the world to come in and experience God and get saved and transformed by his power. You know, what we see in this parable is the one man who who didn't make use of his talent. And, you know, we see that the reason he didn't was because he was accusing the character of God and he was afraid. So let's not accuse God. Let's not question and compare and say, well, why did that person get five and I got two? Let's not do that, church. Let's put to use our talents and let's trust God to say, God, we don't know why you do all the things you do, but we trust that it's the best. And so let's put to use these talents. You know, so many of you guys in here do such a great job of it. I think about the the Fromangs, they have prioritized the church. They give their best to the church. They have invested and discipled in so many international families in here, and they're training other people to do the same. I mean, really, the list goes on. Glenn has a job to pay the bills, but he gives his best to the church to make it better in advance. I think about Ashley Osborne. She came to me years ago and as she was driving in her car one day, God, she was seeking God and saying, God, I want to give my time. I, I want to give to your church. What do I do? And, and he said, go tell Steph, and she'll tell you what to do. And so she came to me, and I pulled her into my volunteer core team for the children's. And, man, she made that children's ministry a better place with her giftings and talents. Think about Josh Jackson, who is actually our neighbor. He jumped in to the church with his wife and little boy this last year, and, and he does uh, wilderness medical training. And he went to Robert and said, hey, I, I want to give my talents to the church. And Robert said, go to Joel, tell him, tell him what you want to do, help with the youth camp. And Josh was out there. I didn't even know he was going to be out there. I'm like, Josh, you're here. He was training kids in wilderness medicine. I'm like, yes, he made it a better youth camp. So powerful. 
we want to challenge you today to give your best, to prioritize the church so that we can become better and impact the city and see people's lives transformed. Kendall, why don't you come finish this? Man, great word, Steph. All right, well, as Robert mentioned, we've talked about time and talent. Now we're going to talk about our treasure. That's our finances, being generous and giving to the Lord as an act of worship. And, you know, I'd like to start just mentioning that word generous. And one of the definitions of the word generous is ready to give, ready to give. And here's what I'd want you to know just as we start this portion of our message this morning is that God is ready to give to you. The God we serve, the God we worship, our creator is a giver. And at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we see God created the heavens and the earth, created Adam and Eve, and then he blessed and he gave. Let's look at it here, Genesis 1. We're going we're gonna to break this down for just a quick minute, looking at just God's character and nature as being a giver. Genesis 1, verse 28, God blessed them. Look at your neighbor and say, blessed. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea. That sounds fun. And the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So God blessed Adam and Eve. That's God's heart, is to bless, is to be in our corner, is to provide for us. And then we see the next verse. Then God said, I give. Look at your neighbor and say, give. Give every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. I automatically think of avocados. I love avocados. And all right, okay. And they will be yours for food. So God blessed and he gave. And, you know, all the resources you have, have had, or ever have, come from God. God is a giver. He, he owns the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It says in Psalm 24, and God's desire from the very beginning of time is to bless his children. And, and our heart is that would be the first thing that comes to mind when you think about God, is that he's a giver. And if it's not, that's an area where the enemy's probably attacking you, where you might need a truth encounter, you might need a breakthrough, because God's heart is to give and bless his children. I was really meditating on these two verses. You can put that back up, guys, th this week. And there's something I just want to highlight here as we look at this. Um, you, see, you see, God gave. He said, I give you every seed-bearing plant. So he gave his children, Adam and Eve, provision. And I think that's very important that our provision in life, we realize, comes from God. And Adam and Eve also had a job. It said they were to be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. But if you notice something about these two scriptures, is their provision was actually not tied to their work. They, they weren't working for their provision. God gave them their provision. And their job, their joy, their blessing, was to co-labor with God and fill the earth. And so there's a blessing that comes in our life through work as we co-labor with God. And there's a great expectation that we can have as children of God that God will give and provide our every need. After the fall, Adam and Eve sinned. Sin came into the world, and then their provision was tied to their work. They only got out of life what they put in. But in God's kingdom, God provides for us above and beyond our every need just because of the nature of who he is, because he is good. 
my, my son is very excited to have Chipotle chips when I come home from church today. And I'm going to buy those for him. And there is nothing he has done to earn those chips. Do you track with me? Okay. So he's just going to be given these chips. He is not earning provision. He's not earning favor. And so that's the heart of God. Okay. And we have an opportunity now in the New Testament as New Covenant believers to get God back involved in our finances in this kind of way, supernaturally. And that's where tithes and offerings come in. That's how we get God back involved and say, hey, you actually are going to be blessed above and beyond what you can do because I'm managing your resources now and I'm providing for your every need. And so as New Testament believers, we, we have to realize the reason many of us can't get ahead is because God has not yet gotten involved in our finances because we have waited to include him through tithes and offerings. So let me talk about tithes and offerings now as the two responses of believers to the generosity of God. So first, the tithe. You may have heard this word if you've been in church before. The tithe. To tithe literally means to give 10% of your income to God's kingdom. And we see this throughout the entire Bible, tithing as a theme, as a theme of first fruits. Whatever God has given me, I give back to him 10% as an act of worship. We see it at the beginning of the Old Testament. So the very beginning of the scriptures and the book of Genesis, Abraham tithed. And we see it in the life of Jacob, specifically Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 through 22. Robert read this passage our first Sunday at San Diego State about Jacob. It might be familiar to you. This is what it says. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I am taking, will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I may return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, he's talking to God now, of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. I think it's really interesting. There's no prescription that he had for tithing. This was before the law or Moses, you know, laid the, the different re regulations and rules for living upon the Israelite people. And just out of his heart, out of his worship, he said, God, I'm going to give you a tenth. And he said, I'm going to give it to your house. In the Old Testament, the house of God was the temple in Israel. In the New Testament, the house of God is the local church. Malachi chapter 3, at the end of the Old Testament, also speaks of the blessing of tithing. And this scripture specifically talks about the concept of the tithe as a test. The tithe as a test. It said, God says, hey, test me. Test my ability to provide for you through tithing. Test my ability to bless you on 90% versus your ability to manage 100%. He says, test me. And then God tests us to see if we'll obey. We see it in Malachi chapter 3, starting in about verse 8. It's what it says. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? Strong words from the scriptures. But what we see all throughout the Bible is God is setting this paradigm of the first fruits belong to me whether it's the first fruits of our week, of our day, of our resources. And so God said, hey, this is my, it's the first fruits. Okay, so don't rob me of that. Give it to me so I can bless you. God responds to the prophet Malachi in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation. Wow, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing 
that there will not be room enough to store it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Of course, that was the means of making money in those days, was agriculture. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. God says, test me in this. Give me the first fruits, and see if I can't, as your senior partner, do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. I don't know. To me, it's a pretty good deal. God wants to be included in our lives financially. You know, the, the New Testament, we also see tithing as well. Jesus speaks of tithing as he's talking to different individuals throughout the Gospels. We see it in the book of Hebrews, mentions tithing. And in 1 Corinthians, at the end of the book, it talks about every week as the saints gather together, they take a collection for the Lord's work. And so we practice that at this church. As New Testament believers, we accept the tithe as worship to the Lord, and we use that for the Lord's work. And so here are a few ways in our church today. Here's a few things that our tithes and our offerings go to. First of all, they, a lot of what comes in goes right out to missions and the nations. Uh, this week, we were able to give a $20,000 check to an orphanage in Tijuana to fund uh, the education of 30 students for a year. And that's because of the generosity of this church and what God's doing. So that's one of the things that things go to. We love doing that. Wow, you know, it's a great day to be able to facilitate that. Uh, some of the, the things that come in go to pay our staff. And our staff works full-time for the work of the Lord here at the church. And they're serving, empowering, equipping, discipling, and counseling. And that's an important part of a church ministry. And what you might not know is actually many of our staff are volunteer and still work for the church. Others are bivocational, and others actually raise missionary support to work here. So if you see one of our staff members, give them a slap on the back, because they are serving, and we are so thankful for the way that they sow into the ministry here, and part of the tithe goes to support them. And then some of the gifts also go to our operating expenses to pay for things like facilities. You know, God gave a great breakthrough, an amazing miracle to be here at San Diego State. And uh, as you could probably guess, renting a large hall at a university is a different price than renting a middle school auditorium. And so our budget as a church, as an organization, has gone up in recent months. And so if you are not giving or tithing yet, this is a great opportunity to you to, for you to start because you can see actually the effects of what you are giving right in front of you. As we're going to start meeting here weekly, students are going to start coming to Christ, and you're going to have the opportunity to invest in those very people that are coming into the kingdom, okay? So th this is an area of need that you can give to, okay? So if we're all generous, God can continue to move, bless, deepen, and expand his work through this church, it's the bottom line. That's God's plan for financing his work on the earth is the tithe through the local church. So I know in my own life, my wife and I, when we got married, didn't have much money. And I had an old Ford car, SUV actually, and um, a starter went out. We didn't have the money to fix that. It was $270. And uh, I had a retail job. My wife worked as a social worker. So, you know, funds were very limited. And we had a conviction not to go into debt. And so we thought, okay, well, what are we going to do about the starter? God, this is your car anyway. I guess you're going to have to fix it. And, uh, and so we went to life group that night, and no one in the life group knew about our need. But they had gathered $300 that day to give to us as a gift. And you know what that was? $30, 10%, that went to the Lord as the tithe. 
$270 paid for that starter. And for us, that was a line in the sand of saying, okay, God, this is how we're going to live. It's better to live by your 90% than our own 100%. You know, that, that Malachi passage, it talks about God even blessing our land. So I have gophers right now at my house, okay? So I actually went out to my land, and I said, hey, gophers, I tithe, so you have to leave. Because God said, um, I'm, has, I'm still working on that, but hey, I'm living by faith here. There was a woman at the church that, that came to the Lord, and she had attended some of our services. And um, she had heard us talk about tithing. She gave her life to Jesus. And then she thought, well, they, they talk about it every week, so this must be what Christians do. And so that week, she gave her first tithe. And it was amazing, as she, she contacted us later that week, her entire office got an accidental bonus that week that it couldn't take back because of the payroll system. And she was just walking around the office saying, thank you very much, I'm tithing, I'm working here. So you know what, we're blessed to be a blessing. And you never know how, how God touching your life might change someone else's. Um, so there's the tithes and the offerings, right? An offering is an extra gift, above and beyond a tithe. That's our, a special act of worship to the Lord by giving to something that blesses his heart. So the poor are close to God's heart. So an offering to provide for something for the poor, that, that's special to God. Uh, this, this backpack drive, that's an offering. Say, okay, I'm going to spend some money and some time gathering some school supplies at Walmart, right? I'm going to get them all together. That, that is an offering that you can make to God. This year, we'll take up in the course of this church offerings for missions, the poor, building projects, even to others. Like that life group gave us an offering. They didn't know. This is God put it on their heart. The Holy Spirit will oftentimes lead people that have a special spiritual gift of giving, even to give special offerings. And that's something I'm praying for this church, that God raises those people up. So God's a giver. We're called to respond through tithes and offerings and include him in our resources but I, I want to just end uh, here this morning by, by talking about the great gain, the great investment of sowing finances into the kingdom of God. So I, I was raised knowing a family, and, and the grandfather in this family was extremely wealthy. In his generation, he was probably one of the greatest investors in, in, in America. And so he had a lot of very substantial investments. I got to meet him a few times. He was a very warm guy. Uh, the New York Times wrote his obituary. They said he was a jovial 270-pound eccentric, and I agree with that. That's that, that, that. He was such a loving guy, and he had such a heart for just blessing people. He, his funeral was a big affair, you know, all kinds of famous people there, uh, and I don't know if you've ever been to many funerals, but on, on the memorial program that they hand out, it's typically very simple. It says something about the family, Here's where you can give flowers to. Here's the order of service. But what was really interesting about this man's funeral, and he died in old age a few years ago, was when you turned over the program, there was something that he had written on the back of the funeral program in preparation for his death. And on the top of the program was written, the greatest investment I ever made. So I thought that's really interesting to think about this person because he was a very successful investor. And the, and the first paragraph went to describe some of his business investments. He had illustrious investments. I'll just read some of them. Uh, he discovered international oil fields. Uh, he funded local government and presidential campaigns. Uh, there are several universities that have buildings that bear his name because he gave the endowment for that building. And another investment he had was at one point he owned most of the silver in the United States. And so he, he was an amazing investor. And it, it talked about his business career, and he, he talked about that. He said, yes, I'm known for those things, but this is actually the greatest investment I ever made. 
And there was a story about how in the 70s, a man had come to him, a man named Bill Bright. And this man was involved in a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And he had a dream, he had a vision that what if we went to the Holy Land and we filmed a movie about Jesus? And we filmed this movie and then we used it to tell people about Jesus all over the world. And he gave a substantial investment into what we now know as the Jesus film. And so it began to describe the Jesus film. And here are some of the stats uh, on the Jesus film that it, it talked about the greatest investment he had ever made, okay? So it said, the Jesus film has become the most watched movie of all time. Okay, the most watched movie of all time. Viewed over five billion times by over three billion people. Okay, these are all secular stats. It's in over 1,500 languages now. And this is the uh, kind of the cautious estimate they make, is that over 200 million people have shared that after watching the Jesus film, they made a first-time decision to follow Jesus. There's about 300 million people in the U.S. 200 million people gave their life to Jesus because of this one man's investment. And you could look at buildings on universities, or you could look at, wow, notoriety, owning all these natural resources. And he said, this is the greatest investment I ever made. And at the end of his funeral program, it just said this, please don't give me flowers. Please don't give my family flowers. Please don't feel sorry for them. Instead, will you make this investment? Will you give, whether it's a little or a lot, to world evangelization so that people can know the name of Jesus that had no other way of hearing? I just read that, and I thought, wow. The greatest investment. What's the greatest investment I could ever make? Of course, the same thing, right? I don't have that kind of money, but surely I can give something, right, to the work of the gospel, to someone that's never heard. Proverbs 11.30 says this. It says, he who wins souls is wise. You know, I think around the throne of God right now, that man is looking pretty wise. There are millions of people in 1,500 languages Worshiping Jesus because of an investment that he made? Like, do you understand you're going to die? And if you know Jesus, you're going to go to heaven and go to the throne of God. And Revelation 7, 9 says this, where every tribe and tongue are gathered, worshiping the Lamb of God, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. And there's going to be people there because of a financial choice that he made. Like, we all have that opportunity. The Bible talks about the widow's might, somebody that gave a little. Staff shared the parable of the talents, whether you're five, two, or one, or whatever. These are parables of investment. We invest what we have, and we trust God for the multiplication. The one person you're able to lead to Christ through your gift might be the one that leads the next crusades. You never know, right? And so we're called to make the greatest investment I think we can make as believers, which is souls coming into the kingdom of God, people's lives being transformed. So that's the offer I have for you today, a great investment <laughs> to invest in God's kingdom, your time, your talent, your treasures. As regards to finances, you know, the average American, a million dollars is going to pass through their hands through the course of their life, just cumulatively, your income and resources. What a great opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. That's what I invite you to do as well. So I'm just going to pray a quick prayer and hand it over to Robert as he closes our service. 
Will you just open your hands? Will you just ask God to stir your heart to make you a great eternal investor, (laughs) to invest financially into the lives of men and women of the nations? Lord, we want to be eternal investors. Lord, we want to be people that are giving even financially, Lord. Start our hearts for eternity, for your kingdom coming on earth. Lord, let us even see in this room just the people that are going to come in in the next few months and give their lives to you because of the gifts that you're using and developing and multiplying through this church, Lord. God, give us creative strategies on how to give and use resources to reach our neighbors, Lord, to reach our workplaces, to see transformation into this city. I long that we're at the day the city is coming to us for resources. Can you help us because of the blessing that's on this church? Lord, make us a blessed church that has the strength even financially to transform and contribute to the work of this city. City, Lord, and we pray that you would use the resources of this church to touch the ends of the earth, Lord. Give us the unreached, Lord. We're, we're asking, Lord, give us those projects, those creative ideas. Give us the power to invest and make wealth and invest in the kingdom of God so that we can stand at the throne of God at the end of our days and say, here's the greatest investment I ever made. People worshiping Jesus for all eternity. In your name, Lord. Amen. Just stand up with me, please. Just come to your feet. Prayer team, would you come forward? If you're a life group leader, training school student, or staff members, if you could just, if I could have a number of training school life group leaders come to be our prayer team right now. Here's my question for you. What is God putting on your heart? We've talked about time, talent, treasure. What is God speaking to you? I'd encourage you, even right now, pull out your phone and just ask God, how do I respond? This is the most important part of the message. You've heard a teaching on it, but now how do I respond? What way do I need to respond? also want to invite you to come forward for prayer this morning. If you're saying, you know what? The way I need to respond, I just need to give my whole life. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I want to encourage you, just as Stephen leads us in this song of worship, you just come forward and say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give him my life, and one of our prayer partners will pray with you. You might say, you know what? I am being called to do this, but I need help. I need someone to pray for me for courage or boldness. You just come forward and be prayed for. Or you might just find yourself in a big need. I want to give, but I'm in a big need. I have this physical problem. I have this emotional problem. You come forward. We want to lay hands on you and pray for you. But for every person in this room, I encourage you, don't leave until you've talked to God about what way you're going to respond to this message. It's the most powerful thing we can do obedience is better than sacrifice. What is he calling you to do? He's been so generous with us, and our heart is to be generous back to our loving Father. Father, we thank you for this great morning. I pray for anyone who doesn't know you, that they just boldly come and realize that you've given that free gift of salvation. We ask, God, that you continue to bring more and more people to Jesus here. Lord, we ask for every sick person, every person with a physical need, as they come, that your healing power would touch them. And we pray, oh Lord, make us a generous church. Make us a church that lavishly gives back to you and lavishly sows into our city, our community, and the nations of the world, Lord, because we want to see the name of Jesus lifted high in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Stephen, lead us out. You just come now as you need prayer. You come now as you want someone to agree with you. You come now as you want to commit your life to Jesus. And let's just sing one last song before we dismiss.